Imagine a world where every child, regardless of where they live, has access to top-tier STEM education. Sounds like a dream? Well, today's guest is helping make it a reality. I'm Elisha, your host, and in this episode, we're chatting with Jamison Harvey, the visionary behind Red Dirt Robotics. He's hitting the road, bringing STEM to some of our most regional and remote communities in Australia. Let's unpack his incredible journey, the challenges he's faced, and the transformative impact of his work. Hey, Jamison, thanks for jumping on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So what do you do, Jamison? I run a project, business, social enterprise, whatever you want to call it, called Red Dirt Robotics. Red Dirt Robotics. Yeah, Red Dirt Robotics is a travelling roadshow all about taking STEM into the outback and Australia's regional and remote communities where access to STEM education is limited or non-existent. Just trying to bridge the gap between metropolitan areas and the rest of the country yeah. to bring the, bring the youth up to speed so they're ready for careers in the future. That's amazing. What got you interested in doing that? I got into robotics when I went, I moved to a new school when yeah. I was in grade eight. The few friends that I had at this school, they were part of the robotics program there. And for a good six months or so, they were bugging me to come and check it out and see what it was all about. And, you know, being the new kid at the school, you just want to figure your way around, learn where everything is and try to fit in a bit. And after that six month period, I eventually went along to see what they were doing and join in. And they were working towards a competition called the first Lego League. Now, the, oh, first, wow. the first Lego League is the world's biggest robotics competition. And it's really cool because it's for primary school and high school age students. So to give a bit of context, the challenge of the competition is there's a big table that's two metres by one metre. And on this table is a bunch of different missions built out of Lego uh, yeah. that you have to program your robot to complete autonomously. So it could be as simple as take one thing from this point of the table and put it somewhere else all the way to you know designing a system where you have to drive like a cart all the way across the other side of the field and then drop it really accurately onto this rail system and then make it roll down the the structure that it's built on it's really fun and it's what got me engaged with robotics just you know working with my team to come up with these new and innovative solutions to the problems being the challenges. That's amazing. And was that in primary school, did you say? I started it in high school. So I got involved fairly late in the big scheme of things. I think I was maybe 14, 13, 14. And yeah, from that competition, we were lucky enough. We worked hard enough to get to the national championships in 2018. We did all right. Could have done better. 2017. Got into the national. 2017 was our first time down, <laughs> and it was 2018 where we went back again the next season, and we took out the national championships. Oh, okay, yeah. So we came yeah. first across Asia Pacific. Um, wow! And from that win, we got to travel to America to compete at the World Championships in Houston. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild thinking back. It was definitely a great experience and very instrumental in why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, Because it was just yeah. one of those great activi- opportunities that I had. And when you were in high school, where, di- where did you grow up? I'm from the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. So I went to Chancellor State College. Great school, great teachers there, um, yeah. especially in the 
robotics area, Simon Richardson. Shout out to Richo. I'll make sure he listens to this. <laughs> but yeah, just a really nurturing environment that cared about the students and wanted them to, you know, excel. And it was it was Richo who told me after my team and I came back from America, we came second place in America oh, at that's the World massive. Championships. Yeah. Um, and it was Richo who came to me and the rest of my team and said, you guys, you know what you're doing now. It's time you start to share that with other kids on the Sunshine Coast. A few of us started to do that, and I yeah. started my business called Royal Robotics, which is still running today. And that was just teaching robotics classes to kids whose schools didn't have a robotics program or school kids who just wanted to learn more. Yeah. And then fast forward to when I was coming to the end of school, I was met with the classic dilemma of what do I do when I graduate? Do I go to uni? Do I do this, that, whatever? And I knew I didn't want to go to uni, at least straight away. Couldn't think of anything worse than sitting in another classroom for three, four years. I just sat back and looked at everything and said, I like this robotics thing that I'm doing. Yeah. I want to travel. Why don't I combine the two? And that's, I guess, the origin story of Red Dirt Robotics. April last year, I packed up my troopy and hit the road. And since then, I've traveled over 50,000 kilometers across Queensland, Northern Territory, WA, and wow. Tasmania. I've well, I visited all, all the states to get to those um, states, but that's where I've done the work. And in those places, I've worked with over 900 young engineers. Um, how... Walk me through the process. Like, how do you connect with the schools or the organisations in those areas? Do you reach out to them before? Are you Does someone else connect you? What happens there? The operation is completely me. Yeah. So I do everything from finding the schools that I'm going to work with. I also do a lot of work in libraries. Yeah. Libraries are awesome. To delivering the content to all of the back-end management that goes along with running a business. Yeah, wow. So when it comes time to be going into schools and libraries, the way I go about that is really, really basic. I'll just get onto Google Maps, look at where I am, look at where I want to go, and then sort of follow the main road to get to wherever that is. Yeah. And then every time I come across a town, I'll zoom in, see if there's a school, and then get onto their website if there is, and just cold call the principal, send them emails, give them phone calls. That's awesome. Then, yeah. yeah, the same thing with libraries. Um, the more that I've been doing it, more people have been reaching out to me, which I love. Yeah. Just because it eliminates that one extra thing that I have to do among everything else. And it shows that, that there's a real interest for it as well. Yeah, yeah. And definitely after getting involved with the library scene, especially in WA, because they're all connected, they're state run. Yeah. Um, word spreads like wildfire. So... After I leave Cairns, I'm heading back to Perth to go up the West Coast and I've got a week lined up at the Carnarvon Library, a week lined up at the Port Hedland Library and Youth Centre and then I'm spending National Science Week at the Broome Library. Wow. And then just visiting other schools and communities all across the place in between. That's amazing. It's so important. I like, as you obviously know, a lot of rural and even some regional areas students in them don't get the same access or resources or opportunities all the time as people in the city. No, that's right. And there's a figure done by the, the Department of Education um, saying that the average 15-year-old from regional Australia is one and a half years behind their metropolitan peers. 
and that's just regional. So like where I'm from, the Sunshine Coast is yeah. considered regional, <laughs> even though it's only an hour from Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you start getting out to central Queensland in towns like Longreach or Winton or yeah. Olia, the yeah. real little towns, you can only imagine how much worse it is. And then getting into these really remote communities throughout the territory and WA, it's just there's so much work that needs to be done and it's really great there's that there is a shift yeah. towards the awareness and getting things done, especially in the territory, because yeah, people are starting to catch up and realise that we need to invest in our future and our future is the youth. Yeah. It's it's so important. Around your business model, do they do you have like packages that they pay for? How do you structure that? Because I'm still fairly young as a company, I'm trying to accommodate for everyone as much as I can. And so I'll really work closely with the schools and organisations that I visit to figure out what will be uh, as mutually beneficial as possible. So at the minute, that does mean that I have to charge the schools and the libraries and other organisations that I visit, which I hate doing because schools and libraries, they're already so short on cash to do this stuff to begin with. So right now I'm always looking for grants, always looking for funding to either fully cover or subsidise my visits to the schools. Yeah. But in the future I do plan to have other avenues in place to cover my visits so that schools get the best of both worlds. They get the content and they get to spend their money elsewhere, you know. Yeah. There's, they could be getting me for free to come and show them how great it is and then use their budget that they would have spent on me to then spend on equipment so that once I leave, you know, it doesn't just stop there. The teachers can keep working with their students. It sounds like the, the heart of a real social entrepreneur, like someone like yourself who's wanting to create, you know, social impact. And it's always that balance, that juggle I find with, you know, to build a business, you need to make a profit and mm. you need to have revenue coming through, but you're also wanting to, you know, create this positive impact and change on the other hand and finding that right balance and that sort of model for you. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I want to ask a couple more questions about your business in a moment, but we're here at the Tropical Innovation Festival. So I have a question that needs a bit of a wacky innovative solution. Righto. If you need to transport a rhino to the top of a mountain, how would you do it? I need to transport a rhino to the top of a mountain. There's no right answer, and usually your first thought's the best one, or the most funniest anyway. <laughs> My first thought was to just chop it up into smaller <laughs> pieces. <laughs> the question, how do you eat an, ele- how yeah. do you eat an elephant? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But that's not very ethical, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I sit sit the rhino down and say, you know, we've got to get to the top of this mountain. Um, it's going to be have hard. a pep talk. Yeah, give it a pep talk. There's, I mean, just because it's a rhino, that doesn't mean you, you can't you can't climb a mountain. Hashtag you know, rhinos have feelings too. Exactly. You know, we could set the record for the first rhino to climb the mountain. Just. You know, it's all about the mindset. Be an inspiration for other rhinos. Yeah. I like that answer. (laughs) So back to your business side of things. As a founder, you know, you wear a lot of different hats. You do a lot of different things. Things don't always go to plan. It's not always rainbows and butterflies or whatever. Since you packed up the troopy and started on this journey, have you 
experienced any major challenges? Like, what are, what's it been like? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I've had my fair share of challenges and setbacks, all from the typical uh, things of, you know, not getting enough work to sustain yourself or just being inundated and overwhelmed uh, with everything that's constantly coming at you. But uh, the biggest thing that stands out is when I got to Darwin last year in June, coming up to the, the one-year anniversary of this event, I had to park up and fly down to Melbourne. And so I had to, had to leave the car there. And so I left the car at one of my sponsor's offices because they had, they had an office up in Darwin and said, yep, you can leave it here. It'll be good. And I thought, okay, I've got a locked car park. Anyway, comes the time to leave the car. I've got this red-eye flight that left at 12 at night but then got delayed until 1.30 or something stupid like that. So I didn't get into Melbourne until about like 8 in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get in. Um, it was a Jetstar flight, so there was no Wi-Fi on the plane. Uh, I got in landed on the ground, turn my phone off of airplane mode and I get this message come through from this guy at the office saying, call me ASAP. I um, know. So <laughs> sitting, on, sitting on the plane, I was thinking, oh God, what has happened? Um, maybe it's good news. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I get into the terminal and I give this guy a call and he just goes straight to me and says, mate, your car's been stolen. We're on the phone to the police. I don't know what else to tell you, but we're trying to find it. Wow. And I'm standing in the terminal of Melbourne Airport, and I remember asking him, is this a joke? Because it's not what you expect to hear yeah. um, ever. And he's, no, police are looking for it. They know about it. We're trying to find this. And the, the way I operate is I live out of my car, I yeah. work out of my car, and my car gets me to where I need to work. So it's like everything. Literally my everything. It's my home, it's my office, everything to me. And in a matter of a second, it was all taken away from me. And so the next hour was me getting through the terminal and getting to where I was staying. And I just, <laughs> I remember the poor taxi driver I had listening to me in the back, just calling the police, calling my mum, calling my dad, calling anyone and everyone yeah, to just yeah. make them known to look out for my car even though I didn't know anyone in Darwin apart from a good friend, Tish. Shout out, Tish. Um, and So what yeah. happened? Did so you the next hour yeah. after I got to where I was staying, it was just, again, on the phone to police on Facebook groups saying, look out for my car if you see it. And then I just remembered that I put an air tag in the car for this exact oh. event. So I went, I have an air tag in the car. I can track it. So I got onto the Find My app, um, punched it in and found where it was, called the police, said, I know where my car is. Can you go look at it? And they did. It was there. It was fine. It wasn't burnt to the ground, which did is even better. Did they steal anything? Or? They didn't take anything that impacted my work. You know, there was at least 20 grand worth of robots and laptops and my teaching gear in the car that was left untouched. Oh, wow. And they just took, you know, stuff that I had personally, like I had, you know, Swiss army knife, some loose change, yeah. bits and bobs, but it all added up to near on two grand or something. And 
Yeah, in the big scheme of things, I got really lucky yeah. because I didn't put fuel in the car before I left. A group of kids that took it, they just drove it till it was empty and that was that. And I was able to get back to Darwin, fix the car up again and get on the road after a few hiccups with a mechanic up there. But that's a story for another time. That's crazy. Oh. Yeah, I think I've, I've got a pretty, pretty good story for, for hiccups in the road. Yeah, that's crazy. Thanks for sharing that. It's always, not always, I do a lot of driving and sometimes I have this slight worry that I'm going to go to wherever my car is parked and it's not going to be there. <laughs> but that's crazy. Thanks for sharing that. As a founder and someone in the innovation ecosystem, there can be so many different things that we're juggling or so many different competing wants or needs at one time. Like you mentioned, you do at the moment everything. Uh, you're like a one-man team. There's a lot to balance. How do you balance things? Do you balance things? Like, What does that look like for you? For the most part, I don't balance things. I'm still trying to figure out how I can do that and do it effectively. Yeah. I'm very much so. I'll get onto, you know, one train of thought and I'll focus that on that and then just do that well. Most notably being when I'm in my planning stage of, you know, the next leg of my journey where I'm trying to line up schools and libraries. You know, I'll sit down for two or three days and just do that whole Google Maps thing, looking contacting schools, making yeah, phone yeah. calls, emailing them, and just really trying to do that one thing. Yeah. And then, you know, the same goes for when I come across a grant that I have to write because when you're applying for, for bigger grants, you know, they're bigger applications and they're time-consuming. And if you're trying to do a bunch of other things all at once, you know, you're not going to get the best result from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. In saying that, I do need to work on my organizational skills a lot more so I can you know, just operate more efficiently and effectively. Um, but yeah, for the minute, just trying to, trying to do the best I can while spreading myself across everything that I do. Yeah, that's a real genuine answer. <laughs> so what would you say your superpower is? Like the thing that you're the best at or the thing that you just thrive, you just really like doing? Mm. I... I like to think that I'm really good at you know, communicating with people from all different you know, backgrounds, ages and experiences and not just being able to communicate with them but relate to them and connect with them. Yeah. You know, I could be working with kids as young as you know, seven, eight years old in classes and then working with you know, teenagers. But then when I'm out and about between work, stay at caravan parks every now and then and there's all the the grey nomads getting around to a you know double my age at least yeah I can still have a good yarn with them and just talk about things and same goes for the different backgrounds that I work with so I do a lot of work with indigenous communities and um, first nations kids yeah and yeah just being able to to understand where they're coming from and you know, provide something that's exciting for, for everyone that they can all just do and have fun and be engaged with is really rewarding. And again, the same goes for me being at an event like this. You know, I'm, this, I'm a 19-year-old who's doing this crazy thing, running around in the bush, yet I'm talking with, you know, VC firms, the, the lead software engineer at Google yeah, it's endorsed crazy. me this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just being able to... To, to talk with anyone and, and everyone, yeah. but not in you know, a, a showy way, just, yeah, just like really, just really trying to 
talk with people and understand who they are and why they do what they do and yeah. all that sort of stuff there. I love that. And what's the big picture for Red Dirt Robotics? Like, obviously, you're doing a lot now and what you're doing is amazing. But, like, where do you see yourself going? What's the big picture for Red Dirt Robotics? Where would you like to be? I have lots of goals and aspirations and big picture ideas for Red Dirt Robotics. But the main things that I'm wanting to have is more of me. Yeah. More people and more places doing more work more yeah. often. Yeah. You know, Australia's a massive place. I'm one person. I can only do so much without burning myself out. And, you know, the fact that I've already done as much as I have myself, yeah. you know, it, it really shows how much more of an impact can be had on so many youth all across the country if there were just yeah. more people, you know, there could be someone in WA, someone in the Territory, someone in Queensland, someone that does, you know, the southern states and just focuses in on them, working with schools for longer periods of time, more yeah. regularly. Yeah so that it's not just this one and done thing, you know, you rock up, you leave and nothing's ever done about it again. Yeah. And with that, as I was mentioning earlier, having it so that schools don't have to pay or don't have to pay as much as they currently are mm. to just eliminate as many barriers as possible for entry and then also be developing curriculum plans and content bundles and packages for these schools with staff that don't know where to start or they don't know where to go so they have yeah. a framework and a structure to follow so it's not as daunting of a task to do it's amazing it's such a wholesome sort of vision yeah and no, i really applaud applaud you and really admire what you're doing thank you for coming on and sharing a small bit of what you're doing and where you've been we're at the Tropical Innovation Festival here so i just want to finish off by asking you a few questions around the festival if you're to finish this sentence, Tropical Innovation Festival is, what would you say? Oh. The Tropical Innovation Festival is, it's special. You know, it's my first time coming to the event and to be welcomed by so many people and welcomed so warmly is really special and something that I don't think I've experienced in this capacity anywhere else. You know, it, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Anyone and everyone here is going to want to talk to you and hear about what you're doing and, you know, want to help you in whatever way they can. Yeah. And, yeah, without events like this or this event specifically, you know, I don't see anywhere else that this sort of thing can happen. And, yeah, just the openness to people from all walks of life doing all sorts of crazy cool things all coming together and sharing and just yeah yeah it's special i agree thank you for spending some of your time uh to come on and share what you're doing if people want to find out more about red dirt robotics where can they go i'm most active on my instagram which is at red robotics anything i post on instagram goes to facebook you can also find me on linkedin jamison harvey red dirt robotics also has a linkedin page i'm always wanting to talk with people doing all sorts of things as well as that i have my website uh, royalrobotics.com.au there's a page set aside for red dirt robotics on there as well Awesome. And we'll chuck that info as well in the description. Beautiful. But thank you for coming on and I look forward to seeing where it all continues to go. Thank you very much.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For The Creatives. If you enjoyed our conversation, please take a moment to leave a review. And if it resonated with you, share it with a friend. Your support means the world. Until next time, stay creative.